0: Welcome to Marketing Success with Podcast Advertising. Have you been hearing the buzz about podcast advertising, but aren't sure where to begin? Join us here as we discover how to create a positive ROI and learn the best practices and tips from companies just like yours who have experienced great results. Now here's your host, Heather Osgood. I talk with many marketing managers and CMOs and business owners every week about podcast advertising. Most of the conversations are an exchange of ideas or a discussion about strategies on how podcast advertising works. One day I found myself in a conversation with Greg Scown, the founder of Text Expander. He mentioned that they'd been doing podcast advertising for a while. I asked exactly how long, and he said over 10 years. I about fell out of my chair. I had not ever spoken with someone who had been in the medium for such a long time. Greg went on to tell me about his challenges and successes using the medium. Greg is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm sure you're going to learn a ton from him about how to approach podcast advertising. Here's my interview with Greg. Well, we're really excited to welcome Greg Scown to the podcast today. So Greg has been an advertiser with True Native Media for a little while, and he and his team have been a pleasure to work with. He has a product called Text Expander, which I will let him explain to you, but is very, very cool. And Greg has has just had an amazing story, in my opinion, about podcast advertising and the successes that he's experienced over the years. And so, I wanted to bring him on the program to talk about that today. So, Greg, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. So, Greg, I hoped that you could start by telling us a little bit about Text Expander and um, the product and what it does for your customers.
1: Sure. Text Expander is a group communication tool, and you can kind of think of it like autocorrect on steroids. You set up short abbreviations that expand into larger pieces of text. So, at its very basic, capital T, small x for me expands into Text Expander. And anytime I type that on my Mac, my iPad, my iPhone, I can get it to expand. Going a little deeper, I have Text Expander set up to do my email signature, to do common support replies, to do reference letter requests. I can do things that include fill-in-the-blank items. And so it's all about repetitive communication, things that you type in or need to summon all of the time. And in April of 2016, we extended TextExpander, moved its storage to the cloud, and now support sharing all of these snippets amongst teams of people. So my reference request snippet is now Smile's reference request snippet because everyone has access to it and no one wants to write it more than once.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now with your corporation is Text Expander the only product that you have or is it your flagship product?
1: So Text Expander is our flagship product, but we also make PDF Pen, which is a PDF editor that runs on the Mac, the iPad and the iPhone.
0: Great. And when you look at podcast advertising, have you advertised that product on podcast or just Text Expander?
1: Oh, we've advertised both for sure.
0: Excellent and i think that text expander is is just such a cool feature because it saves you so much time i mean i just think about how much we all spend typing on a computer and i think one of the questions i had for you was would you say that text expander would take the place of like templates that people use for standard email messages do you see that happening you know i know like my crm has you know, just a template that I can click a button and it will automatically populate a whole email that I've already drafted. Um, Do you see people using it for that or is it more for just active typing?
1: Well, I think the great thing about Text Expander is that your template or your fill-in that you set up is available in any app. So let's say that you're on a team and you use mail for your mail app and someone uses the CRM and someone else uses Gmail in a web browser, all of you actually can have access to the same template if you're using it in Text TextExpander.
0: Mm, right. So you don't have to be in that program to access that template. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's a great way of thinking about it. So as I mentioned, you have been doing podcast advertising for quite a long time, a very long time. And so I, I just wanted to kind of start by that. Um To my recollection, when you and I first met, you said you had started podcast advertising in 2010. Is that the case?
1: I'm certain that we were podcast advertising in 2010 because that's when we began sponsoring Mac Power Users. But I did a little memory refresh before this. And honestly, the first podcast that Smile sponsored was Your Mac Life, and it was well before 2010.
0: Wow, that is amazing. And so what about podcast advertising kind of drew you in? What made you think, I feel like this could be a good solution for our company?
1: I, th- I think I need to give a little bit of credit here. So we owe a lot of credit for our original podcast, I don't know, foray to uh, Jean McDonald, who was our marketing director at the time. Um, and she had met folks at Macworld when we were exhibiting who were doing this relatively new form and were interested in sponsors. And there was a pretty good fit. These were folks who were actively using our product. They were passionate in the Mac community and they were excellent spokespeople for the product, really. I mean, when they spoke about it in an ad, they knew what they were talking about. And that was really fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds to me like you felt that it just really targeted your ideal customer. And that was the most important part. And then, like you said, they, they knew the product already because they were using it.
1: They knew the product. They were engaged in the community. It just was really an excellent fit.
0: And when you first started podcast advertising, would you say that it instantly proved itself? Like the very first ad you ran, did you say, oh my goodness, we're already getting conversions just from one to two podcast ads?
1: No, it didn't go that fast. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were lucky in that a few of our early forays went relatively fast. So within a few months, it was evident that these were going places. And within a few more months, it was evident that they were going to achieve a positive return on investment. But sort of in the whole arc of podcasting that we've done, I think I'd say that you need to give six months to a year to something before you know where it's going to go. I mean, you essentially need to establish your product with the podcaster's audience um and that doesn't happen with a single read and so you know if you're only sponsoring a podcast monthly or if the podcast is only monthly um then 6 months is really only 6 attempts to make an impression
0: right right And when you first started your, you know, obviously direct response is huge in the space right now. So when you first started the podcast ads um, back many years ago, did you put in some sort of a promo code or how were you tracking the response from those ads initially?
1: So we've done a number of things over the years. We've done promo codes. We actually had one podcast where we thought, well, we, we believe that you're performing better than we think, but we can't tell <laughs> so So the host said, "You know what? I'm going to ask my Twitter audience to you know really talk you up this week and lo and behold, it was quite the week on Twitter, so you know some places resonate in in different spots uh, but one thing we have been doing consistently for I guess now thirteen years is querying people in the shopping cart when they buy PDF pen in particular. Um, and, and we also do this for, for a Texas Binder, but we have a longer track record with PDF pen and ask where they found us and list all of our podcasts. And we can use that as a reasonable proxy for how a given podcast is performing.
0: And when someone goes through the checkout process, it's, it's not an option for them to select one of those? Um, they have to, they have to say where they heard about you before they can move on to the next step?
1: No, no, not at all. In fact, it's not meant as an impediment. It's, they can not select, uh, they can select other and essentially leave it blank. Okay. Uh, but I would say that we get, gosh, at least 30, 40% of people do answer. Um, and of them, uh, you know, all of the answers are pretty, uh, I don't know if right word is honest, but clear and usable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive that you get, get that high of a number. And I guess I was curious too. So, okay. So you, you alluded to the fact that you felt like you needed to give podcast advertising like six months to a year to really kind of work its course. And I know that you have such a proven system with podcast advertising that you have been able to duplicate that again and again. But can you tell us just a little bit about what your approach is in terms of how you create campaigns and what you think the right number is before you can either prove or disprove the success of a show?
1: Well, so what we do monthly uh, is determine what our messaging is going to be. Some of our podcasts are Mac-focused, and for those, we will alternate between PF Pen and Text Expander. Others are more general market focused and not Mac specific, and we don't advertise PDF pen to them since PDF pen is really a Mac only or Mac and iOS only product. And we'll figure out our messaging. Uh, We'll write our 100 word essentially canned reads, which we don't necessarily intend for the host to read that precisely, although sometimes people are busy and so if someone's going to just grab something and read it, then we'd much rather it be something that we actually wrote. Mm-hmm. And uh, and sometimes what will happen is someone will read a part of it and then they'll riff on it, which is really fantastic when that happens. We also include uh, somewhere between three and six talking points with the read. And so those talking points frequently are links to blog posts on our site, but sometimes they're just a little note about something interesting that has happened or an update that has come out, or we've updated the OCR engine in PDF pen, what have you. And so we try to put together a nice package for the host or for the host organizer, which is frequently frequently the person who's the recipient of this, uh, to use. And we also try to get it to them on time um, and well in advance of when they need it.
0: I would have to say, in my opinion, you and your team at Text Expander do an exceptional job of getting materials to the host on time. And I do think that that makes a big difference because when the host receives, Talking points or copy right before they need to read the ad. They don't have the time that they need to really kind of digest the information and to spend some time really crafting a good message. And I also think that it is so valuable that you do send new talking points each month. So um, how how we've seen you set the campaigns up is to run one ad per month for a year, and then each of those ads. And each of those months, you are providing new talking points. And I think that, number one, for the host, you're providing them with all of the material and ammunition they need to create a quality ad. As you mentioned, you're getting it to them in a timely manner. And then number two, I think that it's just... Or number three, I guess. (laughs) I guess it's just really nice for the host to have some fresh stuff to talk about. Because if they're looking at the same sheet of paper with the same talking points month in and month out, I think that it's really easy for them To you know, have a hard time coming up with new things, and you know your product better than anyone else. And so, by providing them essentially with the ammunition that they need, they have the ability to create a really strong message. And I think that that's really important. Would you say that that has been an important part of your success with podcast advertising?
1: I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think that that's definitely been our approach. It's ironic uh, listening to it back. It sort of sounds like. The general approach is show up and show up on time. But of course, there is the the famous Woody Allen line in that space. So, you know, I suppose that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I think that it does. And unfortunately, I think that sometimes those two kind of basic steps don't always happen. And so they really are an important part of the success of the campaign. So I guess the other question I had for you is that obviously in the podcast space, we see really large shows that are getting lots and lots of downloads. And then we have kind of the mid-level shows and then we have smaller shows. Um, And it seems that you are open to, to kind of purchasing at all levels. And I was curious what you felt like your experience had been. Do you think that a podcast that's getting 2000 downloads has the same ability to perform as a show that's maybe getting 100,000 downloads?
1: I think it depends entirely and it's it's a bit difficult to guess ahead of time. I think frankly, if it were easy to guess ahead of time, we'd hardly be talking now, right? True. Uh, but, but I think that our interest is in finding a host who is familiar with the product and cares about the product. That's difficult at the generic national level. It's less difficult in Specific domains whether it be platform specific or whether it be domain specific. So uh, we've had good success with a relatively small podcast in terms of well, I I, I feel bad calling it that but not a mass market national podcast in the sense of teaching in higher ed has been really really good for us and I don't know that I would have known ahead of time that that would have been as good as it is. But I think that it's a passionate host. Uh, Bonnie likes the product and speaks well about it. And that resonates with her audience.
0: So what I hear you saying is that it seems like the target market and whether or not the host... Really likes the product um, are two of the most important elements?
1: I think they matter a lot. I mean, I think that we don't have the kind of advertising budget that would allow us to sort of roll the dice on really large, generic audience national shows. Maybe we'll get there someday. (laughs) But, uh, But I think that even so, that wouldn't fit super well with the way in which we've approached it, which is finding host product match
0: yeah i would say that in my opinion i find that that is one of the most important factors is if a host really likes the product and understands it they're going to communicate the message in a totally different way and one of the advertising kind of anomalies that i have found in podcasts is that in my prior career when i worked in radio and newspaper advertisers would come they would spend money and very, very infrequently would we say, oh no, you can't advertise with us. But it happens frequently in podcasts where we will bring an advertiser to a podcast and they'll say, no, like, I don't like that product. I I couldn't stand behind it. I don't want to recommend it to my audience. And to me, that says so much because they aren't willing to just run an ad for a company that they don't think is going to be a good fit for them. And I really think that fit is um, is a very important piece of the pie. So it sounds like that's kind of how you feel as well.
1: Oh, definitely. And I mean, I think there's the corollary to what you've just said, which is we'll be introduced to a new advertiser who turns out to be familiar with the product. And they're like, Oh, Texas better. We're so happy to have you join us. Like, you know, and and you really get that level of enthusiasm. And when you get that back from a a host that you're about to sponsor, uh, you know, that's, that's really powerful. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) We're excited to have you advertising on one of our shows right now. And I, it's a a show about the brain and science and I was talking to her one day and she said, if I could just get text expander, I love that product. And I was like, Oh, you do, do you? (laughs) Well, perfect. That's, you know, Um, and she had no idea that you guys were already working with us, but, um, I do, I feel like when, when podcasters can come to us with that genuinely genuine love of a product that goes a long way.
1: Yes. That's really neat.
0: So I was curious, have you, I, I don't know much about your other, other advertising, kind of ventures out there, but I was curious, do you find that podcast advertising works well in conjunction with other advertising forms or marketing forms? I know you had mentioned in the beginning, an idea about kind of using Twitter in conjunction with podcast ads, but how have you found that it works well with other mediums?
1: That's an interesting question. I don't know that we've done tons with the interplay. Um, I know that we've felt that it's been important to have a developed audience on Twitter, um, in part for the two-way communication that you get, which is good for both short-term product feedback and also good for seeing who is talking about or recommending your product to other people. That plays well with podcasts in the sense that podcasts typically announce themselves on Twitter. We will frequently promote that a podcast for whom we are the sponsor, is up. And so I think that probably there's good interplay between podcasting and Twitter.
0: You're not the first um, advertiser to say that, which is, it's kind of interesting because... Twitter use is, you know, it's one of the smallest social media platforms out there and um, the use of Twitter does kind of seem to go down, you know, by percentage points every year. But um, I think that what is so great about Twitter, which is also the case with podcast advertising, is that um, if you like Twitter, you really like Twitter and you're on there a lot. And I think it's the same case with podcasts, right? If you're a podcast listener, um you listen to a lot of podcasts. So it's possible that there's just a, a strong connection between those two platforms. And I think that Twitter also does tend to attract a bit of more of kind of a a techie group of people. Would you say that that's the case?
1: Yes, I think that's true. And I mean think also, I think you could say that, fairly open social network social media type platforms work well with podcasts and podcast audiences so i mean even smaller than twitter but still extremely active and fairly influential would be microdot blog
0: hmm. yeah that's interesting i have to say i have never heard of microdot blog before
1: well, they are essentially a indie web so an, an open platform for social engagement Similar to Twitter, but with active community management. So it does not necessarily, the the, the timeline does not necessarily devolve quite as readily as it does on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, actually, uh, Gene McDonald, who began our podcast program, is their community manager.
0: Oh, wow. I'm going to have to check that out. That's really interesting.
1: You should. It's really interesting. I think they're doing really neat stuff. And they've begun to develop topic areas around. Podcasts around books. Uh, they've done an, an active micro podcast. I think they're calling the microcasts. So micro Monday is, uh, you know, a very short podcast where Gene uh, will talk with someone who's active in the microblog community. Mm-hmm.
0: How interesting! And so, what do they define as as a microblog? Is it just something that's on their platform, or are they designed to be like just short bits of content followed by? A forum of conversation.
1: So uh, it's sort of a combination. Uh, a microdot blog entry is is two hundred eighty characters or fewer. Um, and to be fair to them, they were two hundred eighty characters or fewer before Twitter expanded their okay. size. Um, <laughs> and then, if you're regularly posting to a blog, uh, you can also cross-post to microdot blogs so that the first portion of your blog post appears with a you know essentially a more link there's much more to it than that. And I'm, sure. I don't know that I'm doing them a tremendous justice right now. I would say basically go over to micro.blog and check them out and, and see what you think. But you're not confined to their platform. You're welcome to use WordPress or whatever other blogging tool you use and then use micro.blog as a way to add community to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: How interesting. That's really fascinating. I'll have to that Yeah, check it's neat stuff. Out. Yeah. So, when you look at the campaigns that you have run on podcast advertising, would you say that your goal is conversions, or is your goal conversions and branding? What is your main goal of, of what you'd like to get out of the process?
1: Certainly, we like conversions; they sure. uh, they help the <laughs> business role, I, I will freely admit, but I think that we know that some of it is branding as well, um, and in particular. You know, if you think of something that we've been doing for eight, nine, 10 years, that's probably a bit more branding now than it is conversion on a day to day basis. But what happens is that then we have access to that show's listeners and their network. And so what we found is that the referral counts for our long running shows have tended to be remarkably consistent. Uh, they don't drop and slide over time, as you might expect. And I think, and I don't know for sure, that that is not entirely because those podcasts are constantly churning new listeners, but it's because their audience talked to other people and those other folks know where the people that they're hearing from learned about something.
0: I remember when I first started my advertising career, everyone constantly would say, word of mouth just works so well. It's the best thing, you know, word of mouth, word of mouth. And I remember feeling so frustrated by that because I I always thought, well, you can't control word of mouth. It's not something that you can, you know, quantify or scale, or it's just its own kind of beast out there, right? And so hopefully it's working for the positive. But what I love so much about podcasts is that I really see them as, as really being a form of amplified word of mouth, right? Because like you just said, you might hear about a product that you personally aren't interested in, but then someone else comes along, you know, a friend or a coworker, Maverin mentions a need and you can say, oh gosh, I just heard about that. And, and the reason I feel like it's different than a standard ad is because of the host read nature of the podcast ad itself it makes it feel like a friend told you about it, as opposed to like, oh, I just happened to see an ad on some, you know, social network I was on, or what have you. Um, it really it feels like someone told you about it, and now you're passing that along to somebody else who needs that information. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're experiencing, especially on these podcasts that you've been sponsoring for many years now.
1: Yes, definitely, and I think that in a way we're participants in their community, mm-hmm. um, and so that lends to those types of recommendations.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think that one of the things that I love about the the way that you structure your buys is because you are making a commitment to the podcaster, they do feel like you're part of their community. And oftentimes advertisers will come and say, oh, I just, you know, I want to just try an ad out, or I want to try two ads. And the host doesn't feel like that brand is really aligning with them. They don't really feel like they are part of their community. But when you do make a commitment to say, hey, we're going to be there with you and supporting your community for a year, then it, it really does feel as though your brand gets integrated um, into the content that they're creating and the messages that they're sending.
1: Yeah, I don't think that drive-by advertising works well in the podcast realm at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I just just can't see it because you don't have time to build the rapport. You don't have time to build the knowledge. You don't have time to be a participant in the community. You just don't have that kind of time.
0: Totally, totally agree. So I'm curious, you've had a lot of success with podcast advertising. Have you experienced any particular challenges with the space?
1: Sure. I mean, not every podcast resonates uh, as much as we would love for that to be the case. And as much as we would think that... You put in the time and it just works. That's not always the case, um, and so the trickiest part is trimming things that aren't performing well, and also sort of gearing up to take another shot at something new. <laughs> so, you know, you try something that you, you swore was going to work, and it just doesn't happen. And then you know you kind of have to dust yourself off, say, "All right, we tried that. Now let's try something else." and you know, sometimes we're surprised at what does resonate. And so you can't always know that in advance. Uh, you, it's really not possible to surveil all of the podcast communities to know where you're going to fit. Uh, I mean, certainly asking your own product users, what do they like to listen to is a good way in. And and we've done that before. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that is a really good recommendation. The other thing that I think is so important is that you, and, and I'm, I'm guessing, make, maybe making a leap here. I know it's been a while since you started podcast advertising, but you do multiple podcasts. And I feel like that is such an important piece of the pie as well, because I'll oftentimes get advertisers who will say, oh, well, we're going to try this one podcast. And if this one podcast works well, then we'll, we'll add more. And the challenge with an approach like that is that one podcast is not like the other. It's not like, oh, we ran a, you know, uh, one Facebook ad and it worked well. So now we're going to run ten Facebook ads because we're going to take what succeeded and amplify that. Every podcast is so different because the host is different, the audience is different, um, the messaging is going to be different, the reach is different, and so it really is important, in my opinion, when you launch a campaign to look at several different shows at a time as opposed to just evaluating it, you know, on a one-show basis. Now, of course you're going to go through that list of shows and say oh well this one was a real winner and this one was not but what are your opinions on that do you feel like someone could get a real taste of what advertising on a podcast would be like with one show
1: i think that would be really challenging i mean i think that depending on your your budget your process and your tolerance anywhere from 3 to 10 shows would be what you'd need i mean if you're doing smaller shows then then do more if you're doing shows that are more mid-sized, then obviously one can't afford to do quite as many. and I understand that. but still, uh you know, one horse is kind of an unlikely bet. I mean, e- even across our history, I think that you know we certainly can't say that we've had a hundred percent hit rate, maybe thirty to fifty, so that argues for doing at least three.
0: That's a really good perspective. I I appreciate that because I do think it's so important to test through several. So in terms of looking at podcast advertising, because you have had success with it, I would guess that you would recommend that other companies try it out. But what are your thoughts? Do you feel like podcast advertising is something that has been a good fit for you and could be a good fit for other companies?
1: Oh, I'd certainly encourage people to try it. I think that I would suggest that they try it with realistic expectations. So that would be probably on two fronts. The first is that you have to put some work into it uh, for sure. So that means that you really have to put time into assembling the material for the hosts. You have to nail the getting that material to the hosts timely. um, Or as you mentioned earlier, they just don't have the time to prepare. I mean, if you send them a set of talking points, you know, and a couple hours before they're recording, then it's unlikely that they'll have had the time to look at them. But if they add them for 10 days, well, but much better odds. Mm -hmm. So do do the work. And then the other bit would be really just having realistic expectations about you're not going to air on one podcast for the first time and then have double your sales volume overnight. It doesn't really quite work like that. What you're shooting for is a nice, long, slow burn. Mm -hmm. um, And that may not sound great, but really it's fantastic.
0: And one of the things that always sticks out in my mind when I think about the first conversation you and I had was the percentage of your return on investment. So um, I don't want to quote you because I don't remember the exact percentage, but I do know that you said that if you looked at over the years that it has um, podcast advertising have garnered a huge return on your investment. Would you say that that's still the case?
1: Oh yeah. No, I'd say that's absolutely true. Um, And I would say that, I mean, we've had podcasts that have returned six, nine X return on investment, but I would say that maybe on average, our total ROI on podcast advertising has been about three X, which is really fantastic. I mean, there's no other advertising medium that I think we could do that, and it doesn't scale massively for us. It probably does scale massively for the likes of Fracture or maybe some of the is it Squarespace. Like yeah, the, the, yeah, the recruiter,
0: yeah, thing. the ones that invest probably millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, uh, but I mean, at the same time, it, in terms of you know, if you're willing to play the long game and pick judiciously and try things and just roll through it, then mm-hmm. there's definitely the potential for good return.
0: And why did you choose podcast advertising to be something that you're like, hey, I, I'm, you know, obviously you guys tried it in the beginning. You felt like it was a good fit and you did see some, you know, return on your investment. So you saw some movement When in your company, did you make the decision where you're like, Hey, we're just going to, this is going to be a a big part of our marketing is these podcast ads. Do you remember? Was it, was it like an event or was it just something that over the years has just built and built?
1: It it was kind of a long, slow burn to be, to be honest. And I mean, (laughs) I think that it was something where we achieved some success at it, liked it. It is fun to do, by the way, I suppose that's (laughs) I think so. I mean, I say put the work in, but it is, it's a fun type of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I think that another reality for us is that we were print advertising. I know that sounds a bit crazy now, uh, but I mean, we were print advertising up until maybe five years ago or so mm-hmm. when finally the return on print advertising approached uh, you know, less than what we were spending. But we saw that coming as you know, sort of a long, slow decline. And at the same time, we were able to transfer some of that spend into podcast advertising, which had a nice upslope. So that was probably another reason that we spent uh, time and investment in podcast advertising.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really terrific talking to you. And I just really respect the experience that you've had in this space. And I hope that listeners um, have been able to take some kind of nuggets of wisdom out of this, but it definitely sounds like podcast advertising has been a really positive experience for you. And um, we really appreciate your involvement in the space and um, in investing in all of these independent content creators because there's a lot of of people out there doing great work and really having those partnerships in companies like Text Expander goes a long way to help them continue to create that content.
1: Yes. And I mean, I think we owe a great deal of gratitude to all of the hosts and organizers and networks and everyone who's been instrumental in helping us get sponsorships to the hosts and to their audience. um, And also uh, just to the dedication and effort that they put into growing the medium, building their own audiences and building really wonderful shows that it's That attract lots of audience members every week, every month.
0: Well, thanks so much, Greg. We appreciate it. And if people want to find out more information about the products that you create, where can they go?
1: They should go to smilesoftware.com and they can learn all about us.
0: Okay. Terrific. Well, have a great day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. It was so great to have Greg on the show. I really appreciated his input and the conversation. And I wanted to provide you with just a summary of our conversation so you could kind of have some key takeaways from what he said. So first, he, he says and recommends that a podcast host is an excellent spokesperson for your brand because they have used the product themselves, right? So you've provided them with a sample or um, some way to interact with your product, and they have used it. So they really can speak intelligently about what your product or service does provide to the consumer. And they're immersed in a really large community of listeners who value their opinion. So, So think about that with podcast ads. In order to make an informed decision about the productivity of a campaign, advertisers should give at least six months to a year to really see the impact of the campaign, which might feel on the outside like that's a really long time. But really based on his experience, he says that during that time, it's important to be flexible and open to making tweaks to the campaign to find the correct fit. So think about it as giving yourself time to really know, is this podcast going to be a good fit for you? Can you tweak the campaign in a way that's going to create better results, but really give it the time that it takes. To have a successful campaign, advertisers must have realistic expectations. And really understand that this is a long journey, but it does provide great results. There is an effort that needs to be put in, such as providing the materials to the host on time, giving them space to digest the information and craft a good message. So really making sure that you're giving that host the talking points in a timely manner. And and also remember with podcasts that they do often record their ads or their episodes weeks prior to them going live. So think about making sure that you're giving them the tools that they need to succeed by giving them these materials in a timely manner. And also really think about you know, coming up with something new and creative so that they, they can really craft that good message. They need some fresh content to really kind of get engaged in the campaign. So that is very important. A good way to measure the effects of the ad read for the company is to use a general query of the consumer in their cart at checkout to see where they heard about the product. So if that's something that you already have designed, that's great. But Greg has found a lot of success that in that cart at checkout, he asks, where did they hear about it? And then they're able to choose the podcast that they did hear about it. 30 to 40% of people do answer that question for him. So that really does help provide usable data. And finally, he has found that a host product match provides the greatest ROI. So if you can find a host that is really passionate about your product and talks about it from a true place of authenticity, there really is a connection that happens with the audience and produces great results using podcast advertising along with other social media platforms like Twitter and micro.blog can really help create some great interplay and drive product awareness. So think about all of those things. I hope that this episode was helpful for you and really created some ideas on how you can make podcast advertising successful for your company.
1: If you want to learn more about how to be a market
0: leader in podcast advertising, reach out to us at truenativemedia.com.